Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Well, go with me to Psalm 84, verse 11. Psalm 84, verse 11. And we began to talk about things last Sunday. There was a phrase for the last couple of weeks that was in my heart. And so I took some time to so, say, well, let me pray out this phrase. And the phrase was, there are waves of grace, glory, and goodness heading your way. There are waves of grace, glory, and goodness heading your way. So I just kept turning over my heart, and I took some time that following Friday just to spend some time praying out that phrase, praying in the Spirit. And as I was praying over that phrase, another phrase rose over my heart, and I heard God say, I want to make waves in your life. God wants to make waves in your life. And so we began to look at that last Sunday, and I'll pick up and cover some of those things today. But as I was standing over there, as Lady Raquel was exhorting you and flowing with the Spirit of God, something else came into my heart. I was thinking about the nation, and things are going on in the nation, and some political things, some economic things. And here's what I heard in my heart. He says, what is propped up is not the reality. What is propped up in this nation is not the reality. And then I heard, when it comes crashing down, don't let your heart be disturbed. When it comes crashing down, don't let your heart be disturbed. Which lets me know, maybe this year, maybe next year, we will see some things happen. That everybody's saying, peace, peace, this, 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 that, everything's fine. It will be revealed, oh, it's not fine. But when it comes crashing down, don't you let your heart be disturbed. It's like I have this picture, imagine being on like a old school Hollywood set where they have like this background scenes. But when you get behind the scenes, it looks good in front of the camera, behind the scenes it's just some plywood holding it up. And if a strong wind hit that set, everything falls down. And so there's a lot of things that have been propped up in this nation, everything looks fine. But when it comes crashing down, don't let your heart be disturbed. So, well, Pastor, why? Because there's waves of grace, glory, and goodness heading your way. My whole purpose in this message is to let you know what you already have is enough to deal with it, but what's coming is more than enough to deal with what you're facing. So Psalm 84. One of the things that as we were flowing in the Spirit last week, that the Lord began to get songs. When the, the Scripture talked about songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And when God begins to give songs in an experience or a service, it's like the gift of prophecy set to music. And so we're listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying, and one of the things he began to say is the tide is rising. Say, the tide is rising. And one of our sisters here tagged us on social media and put up something they Googled when they saw, what does that phrase, the tide is rising, mean? To paraphrase, it means that no matter the circumstance of the situation, when the tide rises, everybody gets better together. And the tide of grace, glory, and goodness is rising. And it's going to be more than enough to handle what you're facing and more than enough to handle what else is going to happen in this nation. I still remember when Pastor Marcus was here earlier this year, and he began to share some things the Lord put on his heart. And to phrase it, because we've talked about it since then, and he says there's evil in the land. There are some things that are about to happen but you'll be able to outpace it by the supernatural. And he's talking about supernatural praying and supernatural ministry. And by living by the supernatural power of God, you'll be able to outpace whatever happens in the land. Meaning, even when things come crashing down, that has nothing to do with you. For example, a lot of you, anybody excited to watch any of the games that happen later on today? 
So although you might be emotionally invested in the game, you ain't playing the game. You are watching the game. Some of you may be coaching, but they can't hear you. But you are just a spectator. And unless you have some good speed to make it to an arena very soon, you are spectating from home or a restaurant, right? When things go down, you're just a spectator. Well, how do you know that? Go to Psalm 91, I'll get to my message, maybe, possibly, eventually, it could happen. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him will I trust. So it's your responsibility to say, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God and him I will trust. So say it with me. Say, God is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. In him I will trust. Notice what the scripture says next. It says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare or the trap of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will deliver you from the enemy's trap. God knows how to get you out of the trap. But it says he will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. I would call COVID a perilous pestilence. But God said he will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. It doesn't matter what variant it takes. God will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. He might say, well, pastor, how do you know? Because he's delivered me from it twice. So I'm not just talking about practice. I, I know this. I know this. He will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow or the bullet or the missile that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Notice this. You only see it. You only be a spectator. In the same way you're spectating the game later today, is how you should be when things come crashing down. You're just a spectator. Although you may be emotionally invested, although you may feel the different things because what's happening around you, you're just a spectator. At least one more verse. For he, well, verse 10, no evil shall befall you, nor any plague come not your dwelling. Why? For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So if I'm living by faith and following the directions of the Spirit of God, before anything can touch me, it has to get through my angels. And so when I'm viewing things in life, things in the world, I may not be able to see them, but I'm looking through angels. You have to remember, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have at least one angel assigned to you. At least one. And if the assignment God gives you calls for more, he will release more. If you need an angelic guard, then that's what he'll release. You don't have to see or feel your angels to know that you got them. What do you do? You just live by faith. You walk in the Spirit. You say what God tells you to say. You walk in love. You forgive everybody of everything. And if it calls for you, know angelic power will back you up. You shall tread, walk on, stomp on the lion and the cobra. 
The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Notice what God says about you. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Pastor, how long should we live till you get satisfied? You ain't old until you're satisfied. So stop calling yourself old in your 80s. If you still got plans, it ain't over yet. You, your goal should be to get so old that the old people call you old. That should be your goal life. I'm going to get so old, and the old people are going to call me old, and I'm not even going to look old. I'm going to look younger than all the other people. You should be living such a life when you tell someone your age, they say, it can't be. <laughs> you can't be that age. You look 20 years too young to be that No, no. The blessing of the Lord. I said the blessing of the Lord. Who said you're supposed to look like what you've been through? Who said you're supposed to look like what you've been through? You have the grace of God. You have the blessing of God. You have the anointing of God. It's a shield. It's power. It's assistance. It's the help of the Almighty God. It's the help of El Shaddai. I'll take it even further. Who says you have to pay for what you did? Who says you have to pay for your mistakes? The core of our Christianity is that Jesus paid it all. The core of our Christianity is Jesus paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our iniquity. He paid the price for the curse. He paid the price for sickness and disease and anything hell could throw. If he paid the price, why are you trying to pay it? Well, pastor, you don't know all the things I did wrong. Who says you have to pay for it? I thought Jesus completed the work. Now, pastor, I made so many bad mistakes, it jacked up my life. I get that. But stop trying to make yourself pay for what you did. Turn to the God of grace. And said, sir, yes, I know. I blew it all up. I asked for your forgiveness. Show me what I need to do to get in place for you to put it back together again. And then you do what he tells you to do. And sometimes forgiveness means forgiving yourself. Yes, you were stupid. Move on. Yes, it was your fault. Move on. Yes, you should have made better decisions. Move on. Because if you don't, you just stay in your decisions. And now it becomes a lifetime instead of a lesson. You have to move into the future God has for you. Psalm 84. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God gives grace, God gives glory, and he doesn't hold back any good things for those who live right. So when you think about it, no matter what happens on this planet, you're good. Doesn't matter who sits on Pennsylvania Avenue. You good. Doesn't matter what Wall Street does or doesn't do. You good. Because some of you are like, well, I wanted them to cancel my student loans. They say it's not going to happen. But just the last couple of weeks, we had testimonies over half a million dollars student loans just canceled. You don't need the government to do it for you because you have another government. You're an ambassador from the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? Heaven never has a recession. Heaven never has an economic downturn. Heaven has more than enough because it's the kingdom of El Shaddai. It is the kingdom of Jehovah Jireh. He gives grace. He gives glory. He doesn't uphold or withhold any good thing to those who walk uprightly. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. If you're born again, you already have grace on the inside of you. You already have grace upon you. And the scriptures, the grace is with you. But guess what? The God of grace gives more grace. 
And then James quotes Proverbs, says, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is the humble? Those who yield to the will of God. Those who yield to the word of God. Those who yield to what God says about them. If you yield that way, you're called humble, and God gives you more grace. You say, oh, more problems, but guess what? You got more grace. 2 Peter 3.18. Peter ends this epistle, because he started the epistle, says, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge or the intimate knowing of Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's telling you grace can be multiplied to you or come to you in a multiplied fashion. And he ends his epistle saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. You can grow in grace. If you can grow in grace, that means you can be stagnant in grace. You can have grace in you, upon you, and with you and stay at that same level the rest of your life. Or you can grow in it. I used this example last week, and I don't know their prayer lives, but I can pretty constantly guarantee you that LeBron James didn't spend his early teenage years praying that God would make him a good basketball player. You know what he did? He went to the court and practiced. Steph Curry's a phenomenal shooter, but I'm sure he didn't pray, Lord, give me an anointing to shoot threes. He went and practiced. These two are gifted. But they took their gift, and they practiced, and they grew their gift. God has given you gifts, graces, abilities, talents, anointings. Have you grown them? Or are they at the same level as 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? It is your responsibility to grow in the giftings and the graces God has given you. And one of the ways you grow in them is by practice, by using them. Because we're not just talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We looked at those nine gifts last week. I'm talking about the other gifts that are on the inside of you, the other abilities, the other talents. When's the last time you worked on those things? Increase those things. Put them to work. You're supposed to grow in it, or as it says elsewhere in Scripture, be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. How are you stewarding your gifts? When you stand before God, can you say, God, I used everything you gave me? I increased and grew everything you gave me. You remember the parable, the stewardship parable? The one who had one, two, and five? The one hid theirs because they didn't appreciate what was given to them? Are you hiding yours because you're comparing yourself to somebody else? Well, I can't do what they do, so I don't need to do what God wants me to do. No, no, no. You take what God's given you, and you work that thing and grow it so that you can stand before God and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what I desire to hear above all things. I want him to say, you did a good job. You need to grow the gift God has given you. You need to put it into practice. You need to put it into use. You know, there's a book that I have. A number of years ago when I was teaching, I might get to this point in the series, about manifesting the glory that God's put on the inside of you. And I had a book by Dr. Miles Monroe on that topic. And so I opened the book, and I forgot that he had signed it for me. And as I began to read what wrote, I remember when he spoke at my chapel when I was a student at Oral Roberts University and our conversation we had after chapel. And he wrote in the book, Carrick, die empty. Because in that topic, in that chapel, he was saying the richest place on earth is the graveyard. Because there lies unrealized potential. There lies books that weren't written and movies that weren't done and songs that weren't done and cures that were never released. He said, don't take all these things to the grave. That when your time is done, make sure you poured out everything God gave you. Make sure you used every single gift. Make sure you used every single grace. Make sure you used every single talent. And on that note, don't follow your gifting. Because some people say, well, I have a gift for this. That must mean this is what I'm supposed to do. Don't follow the gift. Because what happens if you follow the gift, it becomes like a shiny toy, and you get distracted and you just go in all these different directions trying to find someone who will accept your gift. Don't follow your gift. Some of you who are a little bit more sure say, well, I follow my call. Well, that's good. But here's another level. Follow the Holy Ghost. Because he knows more about your call than you do. Why? He called you. I would just think the person who originated the call knows more about the call than the one who's called. Follow the Holy Ghost. Because he'll reveal things about your call you never knew. There are things I'm walking into now that I never would have thought I was called to do it. 
Never would have felt. Later, I was talking about yesterday that God keeps putting me in places that I can't get myself in to have conversations that are like, oh, he anointed me to have. I would have never thought I was called to do that. But I just know how to follow the Holy Ghost and he puts me in these places to have conversations, to handle things that I never thought he would annoy me to handle. And one of the things just for my Gen Z, Gen Z guys in here, don't put your best conversation on social media. You don't need a tweet or a post or a TikTok every conversation you have. There are some things you don't mention and let the Holy Ghost be the Holy Ghost. Because he'll put you in places with people of authority and power and influence that they're not going to trust you with that space if you always say everything they say. You have to become a safe place for those in power. So you can advise them and tell them what to do. And what happens if they take your idea and take credit for it? Don't stand up and say, well, I told them to do that. Don't do that. Because when they need another idea, they'll come to you. And guess what happens? Now you're leading the leaders. What did Joseph say about Pharaoh? He says, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Why am I saying this? The grace of God, if you follow the Holy Ghost, God will put you in places that aren't comfortable. And you'll wonder, why in the world am I here? Why am I having this conversation? How did you put me in this place. I don't even know how I got here. But he wants to position you there so that the graces within you can be released. So if you're going to be used greatly by God, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Because God doesn't want to keep you in your comfort zone. He gave you a comforter. Not a comfort zone. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Well, lean into the comforter. He's got comfort for you. But get the job done. And so there are times I've seen this especially over the last year, but I know with some of the work I'm doing in the community, I'm going to see that a lot more, that God will put me in zones where I'm ministering to political leaders on both sides of the aisle. That if both sides came together, they'd probably get in a fight. But they like me. They like to listen to me. And now I'm having conversations with people. The grace of God. The grace of God. To have these conversations and advise them in these things. I was in a meeting earlier this year, and we talked about how to handle the housing crisis and still maintain people's value in their homes. How'd you get into that meeting? The grace of God. It's just opening doors. And so when I'm there, I'm just believing for grace to manifest. I still remember a number of years ago, I was going to this community meeting just to learn about what to do to make sure we as a church are prepared should anything happen in the area. And they're having this discussion, and the whole thing was to go to these people who are the experts to learn, right? So I go with pen and paper to learn. And they talk about the situation and say, Pastor Butler, what should we do about this? I go, yeah, Pastor Butler, what should we do? Oh, God, I'm Pastor Butler. Oh, oh my second Jesus. <laughs> I had to look at my heart. Okay, sir, what do I tell these leaders? And I told them, this is a great idea. That's what we're going to do. I was like, oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He'll put you in those places because what is put in you is enough. So if you want to be used and not just experiencing the wave of grace, glory, and goodness, but experience a wave coming from you, you got to okay with being uncomfortable you got to be okay with being put in places that you wouldn't normally put yourself in. I was telling someone after I finished preaching in Fayetteville that there's a door that opened for me last, last year to be on a certain network that I would have never even thought to be on, nor asked to be on. But they said, whenever you're ready, the open door for you. Just a door. And so there's things that I'm working on. I'll tell you guys about it. I won't get into the message now. I've taught you guys on this. I've mentioned to some of you that... I've been asked to write a book on race. And so it's based on the things I've shared with other, my publisher and other people, what I've just taught here, the series I taught here. And they go, we've never heard this before. We want you to write a book on it. I said, okay, I never thought I was anointed to teach it, but sure. 
Because I've been having these conversations behind the scenes off TV for the last year, and it's open doors. It's open hearts. I remember one place, it was, Carrick, we need to come back and do a revival on the subject. Three weeks every day. I'm like, that's a lot, guys. That's a lot. <laughs> but our nation needs it. I said our nation needs it. Because too many people are turning to answers about race and other stuff in the world to the world. And the world doesn't know what to do because the world is confused. And where the answer race is concerned, the U.S. government can't handle it because they're not anointed to. The answer has to come up for the church because the church is anointed to do it. And by history, part of the church is complicit for the problem. So when you think about, oh, pastor's writing something over the next two months, what is he writing? That. <laughs> so pray for me. Please. Because what happens, what's coming, the wave of grace has to handle this issue. Once again, the world has to look to the church for the answer. And when the world looks to the church, we better be ready to give them the answer. And as we position ourselves to give them the answer, the grace manifests. The wave of grace takes over. And so there are things that I'm stepping into now that I would have never thought God anointed would do. I was like, well, they talk about it better than I do. And then I was, I was telling this to Lady Raquel earlier this year, last year, I said, you know, this person, I think they do better. This person does better. And she says, but God opened the door for you. And so I step into it. Like one of these topics, we were on international TV in front of about potential 8 million viewers, and we were planning to talk about something else. And so the first 10 minutes, we were talking about that, and all of a sudden the host said, well, Pastor Carrick, what should we do about race in America? It's not behind the scenes. There's 8 million people possibly watching behind that camera. And the thing is that whole set froze because no one knew what was going to happen. Everybody on that set froze, what is he going to say? Well, I was like, well, if you're going to ask, I'm going to answer. So I did for the next 50 minutes. And that's when they said, we need that book. It's the grace of God. Now, I hadn't planned to talk about that that day. I actually knew the script of what they wanted me to talk about. That was nowhere close to it. But what happens? That conversation brought healing, brought revelation, brought insight, and furthered the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know if I'm going to get to my message today. <laughs> but on this topic, if you're going to be used by God to bring healing in the area of race, you have to make a decision. Do you want reconciliation or do you want revenge? You have to settle that in your heart. Well, pastor, do you know history? Yes. I'm a history nerd. I still remember, this is, of course, before all the kids. Saturdays kind of still belong to me somewhat. <laughs> and I could get stuck on the History Channel. Just like, ooh, it's a good three hours. Let's enjoy myself. And so, like, I like history. I remember one year, because when we do all these road trips and driving, I like listening to books. And one year, I went through all of the writings of Booker T. Washington. Every single one. So yes, I know history, I'm very well read. But one of the things, I know God still wants to do something in this nation. And this issue keeps tripping us up. You have to understand, if you go back to 1906 and read the LA Times, their review of what happened in Azusa Street at the, at the revival and how the Holy Ghost began to pour out in this nation, the LA Times was very critical about it. They, what, they, weren't, they weren't as critical as like, oh, they're speaking in this strange language, they're acting weird, but here's what they hated the most. They say white, black, and Mexicans are mixing together. That's what they hated the most. Which shows when you follow that for the next hundred years, one of the main enemies from the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was segregation. When you look at some of these healing evangelist revivals that's popped up in the 1940s and the 1950s and the 1960s, some of their chief opponents weren't just religious people who didn't believe in healing, but it was people who did not want races coming together. And that's why they persecuted them. There was even one evangelist who was holding a revival and the authorities showed up to enforce segregation. Enforce with ropes and everything. 
And the evangelist said, well, when the Holy Ghost falls, you can't do nothing about that. The Holy Ghost fell. People took off dancing. Every rope fell. <laughs> this thing has caught issues in this nation since before it was a nation. But one of the things you have to understand about race, our concept of race is only 500 years old. Even the word that's translated race is only about 500 years old. So everything we believe about it is actually pretty new. Because when you read the Bible, you understand that it uses the word ethnic groups. And so when you look at it, what we believe about race is very new, and it's because it's a lie. It's a lie. That was further in this nation, as Pastor Arthur said recently, because of the love of money. Go back, look at the early documents, early, early stuff. It's like I read them. I read early laws of what Virginia did in the early 1700s, 1708 to be exact. Looked at other things. It was about money. It wasn't about race. It was about money. But the thing is, if everybody thinks it's always been about race, then you'll believe it always will be all about race. There are challenges we're facing today that aren't because of present problems, but because of past decisions. And so we gotta deal with the past. Well, how do you deal with the past? A wave of grace. Natural solutions can't face a spiritual problem. Because you have to understand, when you follow, and I began to track this thing, I did this in the series in 2020, I tracked that thing all the way back to Columbus's diaries. And I began to look, I said, look, if this keeps happening on this continent again and again and again, outliving generation after generation after generation, then it's not a people problem, it's a principality. And that principality won't fall until the church gets on the same page. And you have to understand how things in the spirit works, that there can be good things going on and evil things going on at the same time. That shouldn't be so confusing because you got some good things going on in your life right now, and you got some things that aren't go so good going on at the same time. But you know what happened if you increase in influence? Guess what? What you do good increases, but so does what you do bad. And so as this nation, before it was a nation, grew, and as a nation grew, the things that were good in this nation kept growing. But so were the things that were bad until it reached different points of judgment. What do you mean? Well, what is a judgment, Pastor? The Civil War. Have you ever read what Lincoln said about the Civil War? He said, if every drop of blood brought by the sword and bayonet has to keep flowing until the drops of blood brought by the lash from the, on the slave's back, may the judgments of God be true and just. Civil War was a judgment. Well, why was it judgment? Because America didn't handle it. Look at the early administrations. They kept kicking the can down the road. The Compromise of 1808, I believe it's called. So you see why I'm writing the book, right? Because things have to be handled. Because today is not 60 years ago. It's not 100 years ago. That would be an insult to people who came before me to say today is just like 100 years ago. It is nowhere close. It is nowhere close. And I refuse to let what happened 100 years ago come back. But how is that going to happen? The power of God. The anointing of the Spirit of God. To bring forth supernatural answers. Because the majority of people alive, unless we have some few really ancient people that are somewhere hiding in this nation, no one alive is the cause of what we face today. Think about it. Unless we have some ancient people hiding out in some hidden cellar that were here hundreds of years ago, they're not the cause of the issues we face today. So what does it mean when it concerns the American populace? It is not their fault, but it is their fight. And once you let people know, no, it wasn't your fault, but we have to handle this together. Then what happens? We handle it. But why do we have to teach on it? Because for a long time, there's so much bad teaching about it. So much bad teaching. And how do you uproot bad teaching? By correct teaching. 
by teaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Teaching and unraveling the lies of the curse of Ham. Teaching unraveling things that said, well, well, we can't worship together. Says who? Like, if you study the Bible, the Gospels, and the book of Acts, these were multicultural churches, multi-ethnic churches, especially the church at Antioch. Because when we think about the church at Antioch, a lot of the churches that Paul started, they were in modern-day Turkey. So if the majority of us showed up in modern-day Turkey, we all look different, right? Would you agree with that? We would be the multi-ethnic group showing up. But that's what they had. The leadership of the church at Antioch was multi-ethnic. You have churches from North Africa. You have one person from North Africa who some historians believe he was one of the prophets, that he was a dark-skinned African man. But then you had one named Lucius, which means light. So he was a light-skinned black guy. And then you had Paul, you had Barnabas, and you had others. So the leadership was even multi-ethnic and multicultural. And so was the entire church. And so that means somewhere in the history of a church, a lie came in. And the lie has to be unraveled. Well, how to do it? By the anointing of God. But also, you have to refuse to believe the lie. You have to refuse to believe the lie. People tell you, well, you can't do that because you're black. Says who? You can't do that because you're white. Says who? You can't do this because you're an immigrant. Says who? Stop believing lies. You can do everything God has called you to do. He said, well, does color matter? Yes, it does matter. Why? It's the artistry of God. God loved me so much, he made me this color. God loves you so much, he made you your color. So what is color? God's design. Does it determine your worth? No, but it's God's design. So enjoy your color. No matter what spectrum of it is, enjoy it. It's part of God's gift to you. Enjoy your hair texture. Enjoy it. It's yours. It's God's gift to you. God is creative. He's diverse. It's the artistry of God. It's God's gift to you. It's beautiful. Come on, say, my color is beautiful. Come on, say it like you believe. Say, my color is beautiful. Your color is beautiful. It's God's gift. You say, oh, it's only temporary, Pastor. Are you, are you sure about that? You say, well, it's not going to last forever. Are you sure about, like, Pastor Craig? I just remember reading the book of Revelation that when they saw around the throne, they recognized nations and tribes and tongues and ethnic groups. That, that just means that somehow when you get to heaven, you can still tell how your body looked on earth. It's God's eternal design. And God loves every single color. We had to sing the song, red and yellow, black and white. They are all precious in his sight. So God does not want you to be colorblind. Because, you know, some people develop that thought, so, well, I don't see color, and they did that to, hey, I don't want bigotry or anything like that, so I want to try to use my attempt to treat everybody equally. And that's a good heart. But to take it further to really the heart of God, see color, appreciate it, but don't judge them by their color. Or as Dr. King said, judge them by the content of their character. He said, how are you talking about all these things? You don't have any notes. It's the grace of God. Don't bring any of my notes on this topic with me. They're anointing of God. But you have to let God use you to deal with these things. Because if you start on this path, Satan will try to make sure that the evilest, most bigoted, racist person will show up at your doorstep. Can't be moved by them. Can't be moved by them. I said you can't be moved by them. You just believe the grace of God can handle it. Well, pastor, don't you know there were some things kept from me because of my color, because of this, because of that? Yeah, sure it has. Doesn't take much of a historian to know that. So what, how do you handle that? You know one of the things Brother Copley taught me to do when I was 14? To start saying you're the captain of your inheritance. That things that were denied to you or your ancestors are restored to you in your lifetime. So I've been saying that since I was 14. So for stuff that's been kept back, because maybe ignorance, 
maybe evil intent, maybe because of different things, restored to me and to my kids. Why? Because it's still out there and still belongs to me. But if I desire revenge, I won't get it. Because that's not the heart of God. If I desire reconciliation, which means bringing everyone together to the plan of God, God will do it. But one of the ways he does this is not just through messages like this in books, even though that's part of it. It's by willing to have conversations with people and talking with people. One of the things I've encouraged people, because some people don't like to have these conversations because they don't know what to say. And I said to them, well, your silence is deafening. You have to say something. And even if you don't know what to say, say that. You know, a number of years ago, something was going on in this nation. I had a local pastor reach out to me. And he says, Carrick, something's happening. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to address it. But can he record a five-minute message so I can show it to my church on Sunday? Because I know how to, he knew I had to preach to you guys. So I recorded it. I said, here's what your next steps. And he played it for his congregation. You have to have the conversation. And you can't be afraid of saying something stupid. It's almost guaranteed you will say something stupid. Yes, yes, you may say something stupid. Just be quick to repent if it's says stupid. Don't be afraid of being canceled. But you gotta start somewhere. Because what's left to us to do is far easier than what Dr. King had to do. Far easier. Or what even one of his predecessors, uh, Bishop Charles H. Mason, the founder of the Church of God in Christ, had to do. It's far easier. So we just gotta pick up the mantle that's covered in grace and get the job done. It's part of the healing anointing. And I was thinking this was driving up from favor, the healing anointing. It doesn't just bring healing to bodies, it brings healing to hearts and minds, but also brings healing to a nation that needs it. And so when you step out, God just makes you an agent of grace, an agent of healing, bringing healing and restoration and making things right. Because some of you, especially you who are old enough, have had some things denied you and stolen from you because of your ethnic group or your race, as they describe it. Believe God to give it back to you. Believe him to give it back to you. He'll give, you know, he does that. If he doesn't give you back the same thing, give you something better. Believe for such a wave of grace that it shakes up the criminal justice system. Shake it all up. But when it shakes up, you got to be in place to help. You got to be in place. Because you don't want the world coming to place. They don't know what to tell them. But you have to be there. Well, what about economic disparities? The wave of grace. Because with that wave comes wisdom to know what to do. Well, what about food deserts? The wave of grace to know what to plant where, what to build where, what to do. Yes, these are all valid issues that have to be addressed. But for them to be addressed correctly, it's going to take the church of the living God who believes that God can use them to handle these issues, who believe that God gives grace and glory and doesn't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. We have to address these things. It's about the grace of God. And there's some of these things I'm addressing throughout the community. God's just opening doors and having these conversations to the point where it's like, well, let me just dream a little bit bigger. How would I want this community to look? Well, how would I like the business community to look? What, what could we do in this county? Dreaming beyond what, just what you normally do as a church. Tapping into the dreams of God. What do you want this city to look like? What would you like this county to look like? But you know, he doesn't want just me to do that and to think that way or to dream that way. He wants you. For you teachers, you educators, have you asked God, well, what do you want the school to look like? In your neighborhood, in your community. God, what do you want this neighborhood and community to look like? Where you work, your departments, your jobs. God, what do you want this company to look like? God wants to use you to do amazing, marvelous things. But you got to let him use you. Don't follow your giftings. Don't follow your call. Follow the Holy Ghost. And he will use you to do marvelous things things. We looked at 2 Corinthians 9 before. 
and that grace that's released, that all grace, that calls you to have all sufficiency, all things, calls you to abound or overflow to every good work. The Amplified Classic Edition says that grace includes every favor and earthly blessing. So all the blessings we read in Deuteronomy 28 is there too. All of it. I said all of it. All of it. So when what's propped up comes crashing down, do not be disturbed because you have waves of grace, glory, and goodness. What he was releasing to you and it's already released is more than enough because the tide is rising. Ties of grace, glory, and goodness is rising. So you have to let him position you in places so that he can use you. Or you have to be like that old song where it says, Lord, I'm available to you. Now, I really wanted to preach that message to you, but I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to force it. It was good. Fayetteville enjoyed it. But I'm not pressing past the flow. Because God wants to position you to do amazing things. And he'll put you in places like he's put in me, where you go, God, I never thought I'd have this conversation. I never thought I'd be in front of 8 million people talking about this. But here I am. God, I never thought that if I run and reach to certain elected officials, I just got to text them. I never thought you'd give me this influence, this favor with this group, with this group, with that group. And yet here it is. What are you going to do with the grace God has given you? What are you going to do with the gifting God has given you? Will you dare to dream big? Because when we think about the fabric of this nation, it's dreams that move things. What do you think about dreams that even brought this nation into being? The dreams of Dr. King. That if we study where that dream came from, he was in a church service. And there was a mother praying, praying about her dream, what she wanted to see in this nation. And those words echoed in his heart. And he began to talk about that dream at church. And then when he's standing on the National Mall, he was supposed to talk about something else. And Mahalia Jackson yelled out, tell him about the dream, Martin. And talked about that dream that was birthed from prayer. Dreams change this nation all the time. Even when we think about the corporate world, the dreams of Steve Jobs and the st- dreams of Walt Disney. Look what that is, the entertainment and technology. The dream that God has put in your heart, what can it do? Will you make yourself available to God? Will you let him use you because the wave of grace and glory and goodness that's happening here and increasing here is going to enable you to do these things. That when God calls out the leadership to do certain things on a larger level, he doesn't just increase the anointing and the grace on the leadership. He increases the anointing and the grace on a body. Because it's us together. And so I know if God's asking me to do some things and step outside of my comfort zones, and have these important conversations. I know he can do the same thing to you, but you have to make yourself available to God. As I've been telling you for almost a decade now, you really have to forgive everybody of everything. You really have to believe that you're here for such a time as this, and that the anointing, the grace, the power, the wisdom God has given you is more than enough to handle it. You're not where you are by accident. It's the plan of God. So if you'll stand to your feet. Minister Dathan, if you'll grab a mic. The song, Lord, I'm available to you. Do what you want to. And as we take a moment before the Spirit of God, and as we begin to sing this song, I want you to search your heart for what God would have you to do. Things, even dreams you let go of years ago. 
things you haven't been fully obedient in bringing to pass, things you thought there's no way it could happen. Search your heart. Before we close out this experience, search your heart. Search your heart. Make yourself available to the Lord. Make yourself available to follow his call, to follow him. You in this room and watching online, make yourself available. Because he's looking, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth, searching for those he can show himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for your yes. Search your heart right now. And Minister Dathan, if you go ahead and sing, search your heart. Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. To show someone the way that enables me to say my storage is in tears and I If that's you that fits you, you just come to the altar and you make a fresh commitment to follow the plan of God. If that's you, you come down. Don't wait for someone else to come down. If that's you, you come down. I'm going to have them singing again. You come down and get your heart right. And you come down and make that commitment to God. You watching online, you make that commitment to God right now. Make that commitment. So I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. If you're supposed to be at the altar, don't wait for someone else to come. You come now. Minister David. I am a All the tools you gave to me, my hands, my ears, my voice, my eyes, so you could use them as you please. I have emptied out my cup so that you can feel it up. I'm free and I just want to be more available 
to you. There's someone didn't come forward. You said it's because I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm called to do. If that's you, you come forward. He'll tell you. He says, well, I'm not doing it because I don't know. That includes you. You come down. You just commit to him. He'll show you what to do. He'll tell you what to do. He'll give you insight. He'll give you revelation. He'll make it clear. He'll show you your next step. Just come to him. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encourages you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message, and remember, God has a great plan for your life, and something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. 
God bless.